how we would answer God is blank. All right? It's a series about the attributes of God, trying to comprehend the incomprehensible. A.W. Tozer, in his really well-known book, uh, The Knowledge of the Holy, says what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, when I first read that, I thought, okay, that's probably true. But then the more I've thought about it, the weight of what, we're, what that says is pretty intense. I want to read it again and let it sink in. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. In other words, what we think or believe about God has a lot to do with our success. In fact, it affects everything about us. So we started last week by asking ourselves some questions, and I'm going to review a few of those. Questions like this, does our concept of God line up with Scripture? Because we believe here at the Gateway Church that God's Word is the ultimate authority. It is our rule, it's our standard. And does our concept of God line up with what Scripture says? How well do we know God? Do we know His likes and His dislikes? Where He lives and where He works? After all, we said last week, God is what? A person, right? We said that last week. Scripture describes that he has hands and feet and ears and nose. He's got breath and he's got eyes and he cares and he loves, he listens, he rejoices with us. And then he holds us and he comforts us. He cries over us, he cries with us. God wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. The goal of the series, The Attributes of God, is not to promote doctrine. We've talked about that. It's not to promote the church. Because it's not that way, if you're seeking, if you're spiritually interested, if you're exploring spiritual things, this is a safe place to do that. And I want to encourage those that are regular attenders, those that are plugged in, to bring friends and family. And let's grow together in our understanding of who God is. Because it's our heart to make an impact in this community. Our heart is to be healthy believers that we know what we're talking about, what we believe. We said that there's two goals to the series. We're asking that the series would help us, number one, to think more about God. My prayer is that after last Sunday, that you thought more about our Heavenly Father than maybe you would have otherwise, to think more about God. And then secondly, is to desire more of Jesus in your life. And I believe the result is that we'll become more like Him. That's our goal. And I gave you an assignment last week to read Colossians chapter 1 and 2 and look at the relationship between God and man and how that can work. And then also in your personal reading to look for attributes of God. They're all over. And I want you to continue this entire summer in your reading as you read scripture to be mindful of attributes of God. Because last week we said God is a person. And I was interested, as I was studying this week, I looked up in the concordance, the word God, and then I was just looking for attributes of God listed that you could kind of tell. And it was interesting, even in the creation uh, story, that God is a creator, God spoke the world into existence, so he's got a mouth, he's got breath, he saw that what he created was good, so he has eyes, he walked with Adam and Eve, so he's got feet, 
In Exodus, it says that the finger of God is what etched out the Ten Commandments. And then later it says that he hears the groans of the Israelites. God is a person. And this week, we're going to add another attribute to our discussion. And this attribute is interesting. It may challenge some of us. You may have to wrestle with this one. You may walk out of here not agreeing with what we're about to say. But I pray that it will be an interesting conversation at least. This attribute explains why, that God is merciful, why he's gracious, why he's kind, why he's benevolent. It answers why God answers prayer, why God forgives, why he cares. And as I studied these attributes and others for the next several weeks, I'm realizing that you cannot talk about one attribute of God without referring to some of the others. And that's no exception today. But this one is unique in that this attribute of God is wrapped up and tied up with every other attribute that we would ever consider. Today, I want to discuss, explore, wrestle with the fact that God's word, our rule, describes that God is good. God is good. And let me give you a couple examples of how these attributes are tied to goodness. We said we, we could say that God is an infinite God. We see that in Scripture. He is infinitely good. He is immutable, that He never changes. And we could say that God's goodness will never change. How many say, thank the Lord for that? He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. That God's Word and His goodness work together perfectly. We say that God is just and His goodness is impartial. He's omnipresent. His goodness is everywhere. God is altogether good. And we can see that God is a measure and a rule of goodness. God cannot get any better than he is. He is good. In fact, God is never in a bad mood, and everything good comes from God. Amen? And God's goodness is tied to everything that God is. But you're saying, I know the life that I'm living. I know the world around us. And I look at our families or our kids and different relationships. Or I look at our community and we can see good things, I'm sure, yes. But there are also bad things or evil things. In our workplace, in our government, stateside, local, or even nationally, or even across the globe, there are things that would question, that would cause you and me to question the goodness of God. How could God be good if this is happening? And you may really have to wrestle with this one, and that's okay. Because what, what is number one goal is to think more about God. If we can get you to think about God this week more, I believe we've had success in our lives because God, in His way, He will draw us to Him and our desire for Him will grow. But let's think about it. When have you doubted the goodness of God or at least maybe thought about it or questioned it? I, things like tragedy come to mind, earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, When those things happen and we hear about them across the world or they hit close to home, how many have ever wondered, how could a good God let that happen? Or when terror happens, 9-11, I remember that Tuesday morning, I was at staff meeting and all of a sudden we heard the news and we flipped down the TVs and, and we sat there all day wondering how in the world a good God could allow that. 
mass destruction, school shootings. You go back a few years, the Holocaust that we study in school now. The injustice that we see across the globe, child abuse, sex traffic, slavery. How could a God, a good God, let these things happen? Have you ever wondered that? Or more than that, how could, why would a good God let these things happen? I wrestle with these. Let me bring it a little more personal for us. Maybe you've questioned the goodness of God when you've experienced an unexpected loss of a job or of income. Or you've had an unexpected death in the family. Or maybe a miscarriage. Maybe you've experienced some sort of prolonged pain or sickness in your life. Or maybe you're chronically lonely or depressed. And you're saying, how could a God, a good God, let these things happen? Or why would a good God, let these things happen to me. Have you ever asked questions like these? Have you ever wrestled with the question, why do bad people, or I'm sorry, why do bad things happen to good people? Just show your hands. Have you ever thought about that? Why do bad things happen to good people? Oh, they're so good. Why would that happen? Well, I've thought about it, and I guarantee that your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, your friends have asked questions like these. And there are those that think that God is mad and angry and disappointed. They look at the world around them in the past and even in the present. They flip on the TV, and all they wonder is, how could God be good? So we want to look to God's Word this morning and to see what God's Word describes what does God's word describe as his character, his attribute? And then the first thing I want us to see is you turn to Psalm chapter 119, verse 68. This is one of hundreds of places in scripture that we see God described in this way. But the first thing I want you to know, this is the first point, is that God is completely good. God is completely good. And by the way, while you're looking up uh, Psalm 119 there, um, God is the only deity that is completely good. There are other good characteristics of Muhammad and uh, Allah and other, other, um, uh, you know, other religions. There are good components, but they are never completely good like our Heavenly Father described in Scripture. And, uh, and that, that's an important thing. But God is completely good. Let's look what it says. Psalm 119, verse 68 says this. It says simply, You are good, and what you do is good. Let me read it again. You are good, and what you do is good. If we really believe this, and the hundreds of other times that it says it in Scripture, how would that change our lives? If we really let that sink in, that God is good, and what He does is good, that God is always kind and benevolent and gracious. He's never, uh, He doesn't have an unkind bone inside of Him. His intentions are good. His motives are good. When Jesus lived on this earth, when He, he was 100% good, it's impossible for God to be anything else. Exodus chapter 34, we looked at these verses last week, 6 and 7. It's an interesting story. Moses had walked with God. He had seen God in the burning bush, but Moses desired more of God. 
How many of you desire more of God in your life? I hope you're hungry for more of God. Moses was, and Moses asked God to see his glory. He wanted the best. He wanted the deep things of God. And what was God's answer? God showed Moses his goodness. It's a powerful story. Psalm 25, 8 says, Good and upright is the Lord. Nahum 1, 7 says that the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust Him. Matthew 19, verse 17, Jesus was asked about goodness and things that are good. And Jesus said, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And of course, He was talking about Himself. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 34. This is, again, one of many places that this exact phrase is found in Scripture. Psalm 34, verse 8 says this. says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see that God is good. In other words, we need to look at the world through the eyes, through the lens, through the filter of this truth that God is good. And so let me ask you, what do you believe about God in this topic? I know what some of you are saying. Yeah, but there's evil. What about evil? Where did it come from? Why is it there? Why does God allow it? When did evil enter? And of course, if you've ever read your Bible, Genesis chapter 3 is when rebellion entered the world that we live. When Adam and Eve sinned, Darkness and evil was released on the earth. And at that moment, from that moment forward, each and every one of us were created or born with a sin nature. And Satan is described as the prince of this world. He is roaming this world, wreaking havoc all over. And we need to understand that. And what's also interesting is that as humans, at that moment, we lost the ability to know what is good? Without God's help, we cannot know what is good. Let me give you an example. Genesis chapter 13, the story of Lot and Abraham. They're standing on the hill looking at the vast land that God had given them, and they were going to divide up the land. And Lot is different than Abraham. He does not know what is good. He only sees what he can only perceive himself. He's actually quite selfish, and he chooses what appears to be the, the perfect land. But Abraham trusts that God is good. And by faith, he allowed Lot to choose. And Abraham, of course, you know the story, uh, ended up being the, uh, the most incredible leader and, and um, uh, we're all tied to Abraham. Later in Genesis, we see Joseph and Pharaoh. Joseph, his life was a series of ups and downs, up and down, over and uh, over and out. And and I'm telling you, Joseph really went through it. But you know what Joseph would say? He would say that God knows what is good. And if I'm experiencing something bad, which Joseph did, he would say we need to look through the lens of God's goodness and believe that God is in control. And Joseph lived his life that way. What about Job? Job, everything in his entire life was stripped from him. His family, his fortune, even most of his health. Everything was stripped away. And what did Job say? He said, though you slay me, though God would slay me, I will praise him. Wow. Though you slay me, 
I will praise him. Turn with me to James chapter 1. As we read this, I've read this many times, and outside of the goodness of God at work inside of me, this verse, these verses do not make sense. But I want you to, we're going to read these and then put them in light of the goodness of God and hopefully bring some revelation. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many, that's your favorite verse in the Bible? No. What? Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because he has stood the test. He, is, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be t- tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. We're seeing some attributes of God, our antennas up. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, is dragged away and enticed. Then, after the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it gives full grown, gives birth to death. But verses 16 and 17 are interesting. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Verse 17, every good and perfect gift is is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Again, the attributes of God are screaming out at us. These attributes, God does not change, and He gives goodness to us. And these don't make sense that trials would be good for us unless we understand that God is good. We need to remember that every evil thing is from Satan. Every tragedy, every disaster, every terror, every pain, every sickness, it's all a result of sin. And as far as God allowing it, I believe as believers, as we mature, we need to get to the place where we don't judge God. We stop analyzing, trying to figure out everything that God is doing. We're going to talk about this when we talk about the sovereignty of God. But the sovereignty of God describes that God's ways are higher than our ways. We don't, and I I want to encourage us, that we don't let Satan confuse us and to put doubt into our minds. How could a God allow evil? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why would a good God allow these things? The answers all stem back to the garden where sin was entered. But it's not that we stop there. Because God doesn't just desert us. He doesn't leave us to our own. He rescues us. He helps us. Why were we not destroyed after the first time we sinned? It's because of God's goodness. Why does God continue to forgive me even though I sin and I sin again and I break promises and I, you fill in the blank what you do? God's goodness is what causes us not to be vanished because that's what we deserve. A few years back when I was in Dayton, Ohio, there was a guy, his name was Harry Schomburg. He's a licensed therapist from Colorado. He came and spoke to our church and shared his story of some incredible challenges in his life. And he, the, the message was, is God enough? I remember it. It really made an impact in my life. And he asked a question in that service. He said, you know, most people say, why do bad things happen to good people? But he flipped it and he says, Why do good things happen to bad people? It's only because of the goodness of God. Because we're all sinners, 
We all deserve death. We all deserve punishment. Why does anything good happen, even to unbelievers? It's the goodness of God that really challenged my thinking. So number one, God is completely good. He's completely good. And number two, we must choose God's goodness. The choice is ours. Romans eleven twenty two says, consider or choose the kindness and the sternness of God. Matthew seven eleven God, it says that God gives good gifts, but we must accept them. We must choose to serve, to trust, to obey our Heavenly Father. God will not force His attention on us. We can receive God's gift and His goodness, or we can choose to reject it, walk away. But know this. We were designed, our purpose, our nature, we were designed to reflect the image of God, which includes the goodness of God. We were designed to reflect God's image, but we cannot do it. We cannot reflect what we don't have on the inside. And that's where we come to the whole idea that we've got to surrender our lives to Jesus, to allow him to come in, and to save us. And I don't know where you are this morning. I know a lot of you, but, but the, there's some I don't. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, don't walk out of here without knowing Him. Let Him come in and change your life. Receive Christ. Because when we receive Christ, then we can properly channel God's goodness. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. He is pursuing us. He's been pursuing you every single moment of your life. The fact is we don't deserve anything. Isn't that the truth? Another truth is that we cannot earn goodness. We cannot be saved by the law. It's only by the goodness of God, His grace and His mercy, that we can experience everything God has for us. It's His goodness that keeps forgiving us, that keeps on answering prayers in our lives. And you know what Satan would love to do? He'd love to come in and cause you to doubt, cause you to question His goodness. But let me just say, I believe it's a sign of maturity to embrace the truth of God's goodness no matter what. It's a sign of healthy believers. And let me show you uh, a place where we can see that that's the case. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, we won't read the, all of this uh, starting in chapter 13, I'm sorry, verse 13. Uh, it, it's a great passage here. He's, uh, Peter's saying, hey, be holy as I'm holy. He's reflecting on something that Jesus had said. But I want to start in verse 22. You can read the rest of the chapter on your own. But it says this, Now that you have been purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love of your brothers, love one another deeply from the, from the heart. <laughs> How is that possible? For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade or fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that it was preached to you. Amen? Then chapter 2, it starts, Therefore, get rid of malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. And then listen what it says. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, 
Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. How? Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I believe when we receive Christ as our Savior, there is something that changes inside of us that now Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Part of the reading we gave you last week, Colossians chapter 1 and 2. There's something that changes. We've tasted that the Lord is good. And because we've tasted that the Lord is good, we need to grow up in our salvation. And a big piece of that is embracing this truth, the goodness of God. Taste and see the goodness of God. I believe that as we do that, it leads to growth. And then we can let God's goodness affect the destiny of others around us. Amen? I love that. There's one more verse. We're not going to take a lot of time in it, but I can't uh, go through this without sharing it. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is part of the goodness of God that we don't really like to talk about, but that the, because God is good, He disciplines us. Listen to what it says. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know what? When we make mistakes, when we sin, and when we deliberately sin, sometimes there's discipline. And I can't figure it all out, but the discipline of God is part of God's goodness for us. And we have to embrace that along with all the other good things that typically come when we talk about the goodness of God. Brandon, I'm going to ask that you come. I've been praying and asking God that God would give us a revelation of how good He is. To give us an impartation of His goodness, that we would receive it fully. And I've been asking that God would speak to our hearts this morning. And I want to pray and take a moment and just ask God that in these next few moments that God would just capture our hearts and that he would fill us with his goodness, that he would reveal his goodness to us, perhaps like he's never done before. And so would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray a prayer. Lord, I pray right now that your word would ring true in our hearts, that you would give us a revelation of how good you are, an impartation of your goodness, God. Overflow us with your goodness and speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus. God, we need your goodness to saturate us, to help us, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was studying this week, I came across a story about a missionary. Her name is Amy Carmichael. When it talked about the goodness of God, when things don't make sense, I want to share it. Amy Carmichael, you may have heard of her. She's a somewhat famous missionary to India. But she grew up in Ireland. 
And when she was a kid, she was a believer, and she, remem- she tells a story that she would ask God before she'd go to bed to change her eye color from brown to blue because she was the only one in her entire school that had brown eyes, and she was teased about her brown eyes. Well, Amy Carmichael, as she grew, she would wake up the next morning and her eyes would be still brown. God didn't change from, from blue or from to blue. And she grew up and she felt God call her to China. And the doors closed there, but a door opened up to India. And she followed the call of God, went to India. And the group of, that she connected with in the mission field there, they were working to save little girls from the slave trade, from sex trafficking. And she was bold. She would put the, she would dress up like an Indian. She would take coffee beans and grind them into her skin to darken her skin. And she would go and she literally saved hundreds of kids. She would go and buy slave girls. She would pretend like she was an Indian uh, and, and buy slave girls. And God really honored that. Well, Amy, she tells a story that after several years of being in India, she remembered her prayers when she was a little kid, that she wanted blue eyes more than anything. And one day when she was putting on her garb, putting on her dress, however, covering her face, the only thing showing was her eyes. She looked in the mirror, and God, it was like he spoke, not audibly, spoke to her spirit and he said this is why this is why you have brown eyes I was going to use those eyes all along and what didn't make sense when she was a kid all of a sudden became very clear now the goodness of God when we talk about that in this context I understand that there is a wrestling sometimes inside of us. We do not understand God's ways. I love the verse that says we look through a dim glass on this side of eternity. We cannot understand everything that happens to us or to our families. But church, can we grow to the point where we can say, I trust you no matter what? And a lot of times we can look back And we can say, ah, that's what God was doing. This is why this happened or that happened. And it might happen, we may not understand until we reach heaven for eternity. And we have to be okay with that as well. There are some things we just don't understand. But church, it's a sign of a mature believer that can embrace the goodness of God. And I know some of your stories are hard. In some of your stories, uh, I don't know what I would have done in your circumstances. I'm not sure I'd be where you are today. And I admire some of the faith and the steadfastness that some of you guys have, despite tremendous difficulty. I hope that when tragedy comes or hard times come, I don't always choose to trust the goodness of God. Sometimes I get mean or angry or I start questioning God. 
but I want to move to a place where I can embrace God's truth and let it sink in. And I want to be one of those believers that others could look at and say, wow, man, his faith is strong no matter what. And even if I don't understand, I can stand and say with great conviction, God is good. God is good. This morning, I want to talk about a couple things. First, if you're not a believer, if you don't, if you haven't asked Jesus in your heart, uh, could I plead with you? Don't leave here without accepting Christ. He's ever pursuing you. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He's not up in heaven with a big old hammer waiting to smash you. He loves you. And he knows you more, better than anyone in this world, even you know yourself. He loves you and he wants to offer you a free gift of salvation. But if you are here this morning and you are saved, we also want you to understand that this truth is really a huge piece to our faith walk to embrace the goodness of God. And I would question you, what is a proper response to the goodness of God in your life? I would ask you, how do people see you? How do they experience you in life? Could they say, taste and see that Samantha is good because of what Christ has done in you? Could they say, taste and see that Pete is good because of what Christ is in you? The hope of glory, Christ in us, that we could be a channel of goodness, that our mindset would be such that when we see things in the world, that the lens that we see, current events, tragedy, the goodness of God is the lens that we see these things. And I believe it's a sign of maturity and a sign of growth. And we may not all get there this, on this side of eternity, but my hope is that we're making progress in that way. So those are the two things. If we could bow our heads and close our eyes, let's talk about the first one there just for another second. You know, God's Word says that we're all sinners. We all fall in short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous that we cannot make it into heaven even if we've sinned one time. If we've lied one time, if we've cheated one time, if we've cursed God one time, used His name in vain one time, we are not eligible to spend an eternity in heaven. But there is a way. It's through Jesus. He offers salvation. And he's offering it this morning. If you're here this morning, you're saying, boy, I need that salvation. Would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Who this morning would be responding like the young man did first service? It was awesome. God moving his life, bringing him to a place of surrender. Anyone here this service saying, that's where I am today. God save me. see any hands. If I could see your eyes here just for a second. The second thing is our response to the goodness of God. What is a proper response to God's goodness in your life? Instead of complaining about all the negative, can you seek out how God has spared you, 
how God has helped you and leave the other part to God understanding that we see through a dim glass when people see you and they see me are they seeing Christ in us or are they seeing not so much Christ bitterness, anger revenge hopelessness I believe that if we embrace the goodness of God that it will spill over onto others that we can become a channel of God's goodness you can become a channel of God's goodness just because your mindset the filter you see life through is that God is good now that takes some work that is not something that just happens overnight but I'm wondering how many this morning would say pastor I want to grow in my understanding that God is good would you just slip up your hand right where you are and I'm raising my hand God help me to know yeah yeah and the way we do that is by getting in his word and allowing his word to rush over us and to have peace in our lives would you stand this morning I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And then we're going to dismiss. And the altars will be open for prayer, for anointing you with oil. If there's anything you need, and you can stay and just contemplate the goodness of God. Uh, If we've caused you to think this morning about God more, we've had a success. But that second piece is desiring more of God. And I pray that you'd move to that piece as well. Let me pray over us that God would help us to grow in his goodness. Lord, I pray for my friends, the people I love here at the Gateway Church, the people I love on the lakeshore. God, thank you for your relentless pursuit after us. That while we were still sinners, you died for us and provided a way that we could have an everlasting experience with you in heaven. And Lord, I trust that there's those here that have made that decision, that are living in that truth. And part of that truth is that we should grow up in our salvation, as 1 Peter 2 says. Help us to grow, God, to to a healthy place, to a healthy understanding of your goodness. And I pray that our response to your goodness would pour through our lives, that we become a channel of your goodness to affect others around us. God, I pray for those that are struggling, those that are hurting, those that are in a place today where they don't understand. God, I pray that you would speak clearly and loudly to them your love your compassion let them know that not even for a moment have you left them or forsaken them but lord you're with them even now and god i pray that these truths would transform us for your glory for your honor lord now go before us behind us around us as we leave we pray it all in jesus name amen the altars are open you don't have to run off we'll stay as long as you want brendan will play If you need prayer for anything or you want to respond, you can do so. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. uh, uh, um, We got the bake sale.
And, uh, but if you could refrain to hold your conversations till you're out in the lobby, um, that would be great. Let's, this is a place of prayer to seek the Lord.